I would like us to turn to the book of Galatians. That's the, that's our, our text. Galatians 2.20. This is Paul speaking to the church at Galatia. We are in our Christmas season. And so everything that we talk about for the rest of December is going to be setting you up for an explosive 2022. Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I have crucified, let me restate that so you get a better understanding. I have crucified, I have nailed my old man to the cross, as it were, with Jesus. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the life I now live and the life I'm living today, I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith in the Son of God, Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to call the message today undisputed. Undisputed. I don't know about you all, but I'm a big boxing fan. And uh, outside of uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez, uh, He's gone through everyone in, that he could fight. And I think his only loss has been some years ago when he was still coming up to uh, Floyd May Mayweather. Got a boxing lesson, and I believe if Floyd fought him today, Floyd would lose because he continues to learn and mature. But the buzz right now is uh, around two young men, one just fought uh, last week, uh, Terrence Crawford, who is the WBO welterweight champion of the world with a record of 38 or 39 and 0. His only other com competition right now is the holder of the other two belts, Errol the Truth Spence who has a very similar record, but owns the WBA and IBF welterweight belt. They are multiple belt champions in their own right. Now they are in the same division, and what the whole world wants to know is who is the champion of champions. 
They refer to that as the undisputed champion of the world. The person that can hold all three belts at the same time. And the reason they own all three belts at the same time is because they have fought everyone that legitimately could challenge them for the belt and has won. There's nobody that can beat them. So the entire world right now, right after uh, Terrence Crawford's win over, uh, what's the young man's name? Mm. Forgive me, sir, but I completely forgot your name. But it was a really good fight a week and a half ago, and uh, he won that fight. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because as you and I are walking this thing out, this thing called Christianity, faith in Christ, there are a couple of things that you need to understand, and I am going to try my best to articulated in a way that will make you excited about your fate today. Paul, while speaking to the Galatians, says to them, I'm going to use my own life as an example. And I'm saying to you, I am crucified with Christ. That Christ actually is the undisputed champion over death. That Jesus Christ is the undisputed champion over sin. That Jesus is the undisputed champion over anything that you can face. And I am in him, and he is in me. Let me get, let, 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 let's, let's break that down a little further. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. My old self, my old man has been crucified. But it is not because... My old self was really crucified. It was because Jesus Christ was crucified for my old self, and my old self can say heroically that I am crucified because Christ has been crucified. Somebody and not gotten that really well yet. That if it had to do with just you and me and our work and our effort and our ability and our press and our force and our time and our energy, we could never be standing in a place of undisputed victory. Oh, Okay, okay, okay. Calm it down a little bit. 
When you have worked as hard as these two boxers have, with a combined record of over, I believe, 500 amateur fights, in Crawford's case, he has been boxing since he was about five or six. That the time and effort that has been involved in getting them to a place where he is 38 and 0, and Spence is 35 and 0 or something like that, and to be now holding belts, multiple belts with championships with a possibility of becoming the undisputed champion of the world. It takes work. As a matter of fact, Floyd Mayweather's uh, mantra has been for all of his boxing life, hard work and dedication. Hard work and dedication. Hard work and dedication. Hard work and dedication. When I, when I hear that, the normal mindset is if I want to accomplish what they accomplish, I need to work as hard as they have. Am I not right? The Tiger Woods' father had him from the, from the age of seven, three years old. Every morning, he woke him up, took him outside on the lawn, and had him hitting balls. And by the time he was 10, and in uh, preschool, or uh, first or second grade, he was hitting 300 balls a day. So the, the Tiger Woods you see winning all of the golf championships is a Tiger Woods that, that showed up because of hard work and dedication. In no area of our lives can we accomplish without hard work and dedication. I heard my dad say this, even I believe it's mom or dad, they would remind us, said, the heights of great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight. But they, while their companions slept, were toiling upwards through the night. You can't get around hard work and dedication. When I look at my Islamic brothers and sisters, the ones who really believe in Islam, the ones who Go to Mecca. And some of them have gone to Mecca for the, the, the triannual circling, walking around the shrine of the Prophet Muhammad whose bones are there. There's nothing that says he ever came back from the dead. And by the millions they go to the yearly tour to Mecca. And they feel excited and committed that they, some of them, 
a lot of them that are very radical don't even feel qualified to walk the miles. I just realized who that was. I can't see the light. Good to see you, sir. They don't realize, they don't feel themselves important enough to walk the three to five miles to get to the tomb of the Prophet Muhammad. So instead, many of them had made it a one-time thing because once you do it once, your knees are so messed up that you could hardly walk. You couldn't do it again. And they have crept on gravel and concrete and brick, some of them until their kneecaps have been worn away. And they had to be, once they got to the shrine, they now had to be lifted or still do have to be lifted, put in an ambulance or put in a truck and taken back to their homes and, and have that weeks of rehab to get the, the scarring and the tearing up of those knees fixed. And they are proud. They're excited to do this. They put their fate in a promise that if they could do this successfully, if they could be as radical and passionate about Islam, that they have a heaven and 70 virgins waiting for them. And to that I've said, that's all good and fine, and even if it was true, I, I can't handle 70 virgins. I, I don't need them. One is good. But they do it anyway. They believe in what they have been taught so passionately that they have been willing, been willing to kill for it. I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. And then I reflect, Mom, on my own faith. That before Jesus ascended, after he was nailed to a cross, it was historically documented that over 500 people literally saw him after he emerged from the tomb before he ascended into heaven. People physically saw him, touched him. One guy was so unbelieving, even as a disciple, that he said, I will not accept it unless I can put my finger in your hands and I could feel the holes. And Jesus said, here it is. Check it out for yourself. So the question for me has been, how come the church that I live in, 
the body of Christ that I walk in today does not walk around like an undisputed champion. That if there's so much proof, you understand that when Muhammad, and I'm just using him, there's Joseph Smith of the Mormon faith. These were one man, one man, that said to their entire religious populace, I was visited by God. Islam has Muhammad. Muhammad said, I was visited by God and I was given the contents of the Quran. And I will not dispute that he got a visitation from someone. But what worries me is that millions, millions, millions of people have accepted the Quran as truth and there is no one to verify that he really heard. You literally, as a Muslim or as a Mormon, have to have faith that what you read in the Book of Mormons or that you read in the Quran was the truth, nothing but the truth, and there was no interference that they got it right the first time from God. And yet they are so radical about their religious faith. And I question my veracity, my press. As I have looked at my Savior and the documentation, do you understand that there were over the Bible, the contents of the book of that we call the Bible, the Word of God, took over 1,500 years to com be completed. And, and 40 different writers of every kind of, of job, Dr. Luke, the disciples that were fishermen, had folks that were tax collectors. I mean, you name it, they were there. And they all contributed to the contents of the Bible and hardly anyone, nobody, contradicted each other. With that kind of proof, I find it hard to understand, Dr. June, why I connect with so-called Christians all around the world, all around the city, all around that are not passionate and not radical about their faith. That I am looking for, for Christians today that stand with a spirit of undisputed passion for God. I'm looking for people to connect to that are so, so sold out to God that they say, I am crucified with Christ. 
but it's not really me. Because he was the one that was really crucified for me. And the life you now see me living in the flesh, I'm living only because I got faith in what he did. I'm completely sold out to the document called the Bible that says how he paid the price. The documents, the days he spent in the tomb and how he emerged, he emerged after three days. And he's now with his father in heaven sitting at the right hand of Papa. But he's not just doing that. We talked about it last week. How could I not be radically committed? How could I not stand with an undisputed fate of a champion? Doesn't matter what happens in my life. When I understand that he did not just die and rise up from the dead and go to heaven and is sitting with his father, but while he is sitting there, the Bible said, he is praying for me. That in my physicality, in my humility, uh, humanity, the prayers that I think I'm praying are right, quite often are not right. Because I pray quite often based on my immediate need. And sometimes the real problem is something that's going to show up real big two months from now. But in my humility, my humanity, I don't see it quite often. I want to pray about the now. I want to pray about what's happening in my life. I want to pray about today's emergency. And I thank God that while Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, he understands that I pray the wrong prayer sometimes and don't even know it. And so he takes my prayer he assesses my life. He watches my real need. Figures out that I need this more than I need that that I'm asking for. And then he takes the real need that I have to the Father. And prays what I really need to Papa. And I still don't understand. Undisputed. Paul said, I've been crucified, but it's not me. Don't get it twisted. It's Christ. It's Christ. I no longer live in myself. I no longer live in my own strength. I no longer live according to my own understanding of things. I'm living, I'm living, I'm living, I'm living. In this way, because Christ is living in me. And because he's living in me, I'm undisputed champion like he is. Oh. Now I'm beginning to figure out why we've lost so much of our passion. 
because we've got it too easy. That all we have to do is believe. When other folks are being told that they've got to bring 50 people into their, their fate, they've got to put on a white shirt and ride and stop at doors and knock and share their faith. And even if they get turned away 30 times, they go back and do it for another 30 times for two years straight. But we, all we have to do is ask forgiveness and fall on grace. The moment I began to realize that what Jesus did for me was so completely selfless, so completely that all I got to do is believe. All I've got to do is trust. All I've got to do is confess. All I've got to do is bring my raggedy self to him every day and be transparent. All I've got to do is be transparent. I don't have to creep around the tomb. I don't have to be a missionary for two years. I don't have to remember the catechism the Catholics do so I can graduate. All I got to do is believe. And when I do that with a heart that is completely transformed, I immediately move from stinking wretch to undisputed champion. I can't figure that out. I can't figure that out. Did I hear people saying to me, it don't take all of that. Really? It don't take all of that? When you are talking about a God that gave his only son that died on a cross to take every stinking mess that you ever did, that everything, your shortcomings, your mess-ups, your, your, your good, your bad, your indifference, all of it is covered by the blood. And all you got to do is believe. And you ask me why? During worship, I put my hands up and I jump around and I can't keep still. I don't care how sedate you are. Jesus was not still when those nails were going in his hands. He could not be still. The pain he was enduring caused him 
to squirm. I know he wasn't just a, a non-human thing. He was in his human flesh dealing with the, the pain of having nails go through his hands to the point where he cried out. You know, David said something that encouraged me because I've already painted the picture of what Jesus did to make you an undisputed champion. You don't have, the only fight that you have to fight is the fight to hold on to your faith. Amen. That's it. The only fight that you have to fight is a fight to stand up for what's right. Very early in my Christian faith, my dad referred a book to me, and I don't even know where it is now. It's called Martyrs, Martyrs of the Catacombs. Martyrs of the Catacombs. And it's a historic declaration or reliving of the hundreds, thousands of Christians in the early church on the Nero of Rome, who in, in an attempt to, st to stamp out their fate, to make them get to a breaking point where they say, I, that's all they had to say. This is all they had to say. I'm Jesus. He wasn't asking them to go out and live it out. He said, all you got to do is confess that you don't believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah, and you could live. And by the thousands, they said no. And they would say no to the very end as they were tied to a cross to mock the Jesus that they were serving. And a fire was lit. And as the flames came up and burned the flesh off of their feet while they were still alive. Burned the flesh off of their knees and thighs as they were still alive. They kept saying, no, no, I'm undisputed. I'm undisputed. I'm undisputed. I'm undisputed. Because he was crucified, I'm crucified. Because he made the first move and walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I could walk through. Because he worshipped his father while he was being beaten while the nine tails were being put on his chair, his back and then pulled. So every time they slapped that nine tail on his back and they pulled it, flesh was being pulled off. And he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm paying for Burton Ross. 
I'm paying. I'm paying. I'm paying. I'm paying for Tony Jefferson. I'm paying for Derek Jacobs. I'm paying for Austin Boone. I'm paying. I will not give in. I will not give up. I am going to set the pace as an undisputed champion. I'm keeping the belt of hell and death, and I will go down in history as the undisputed king of kings, lord of lords, everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty God. They can trust me. And all I got to do now is hold on to my fate. All I got to do now, Nehemiah, is hold on to my fate. All I got to do now is hold on to my fate. And I will be declared, like Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me, Alfred, a crown of righteousness. I'm undisputed. I'm undisputed. I'm undisputed. Not because I not because I was in the fight. No, not because I went to the cross, but because he did. He wanted and he gave it to me. He wanted and he gave it to me. <laughs> David says in Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I said it in the sermon several weeks ago, months ago maybe. The secret place is the place of worship. The secret place is the place of worship. That if I could keep myself in a place of worship on the pressure, I'm gonna make it. How many of you, how many of you could put your hands up and say, you may not have done it all your life, but the times when you tried worshiping on the pressure, God came through for you. Come on, come on, you're watching me online. Put something up there. You, you haven't been perfect all your life. You messed up many times. But the times, the seasons when you committed in some situations to worship God in the midst of your pain, he came through for you. He came through for you. He came through for you. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Do you understand this morning that when you are hiding in the shadow of something, any approaching individual, person, demon, or Satan himself has to see what you are standing behind before it sees you? Do you understand this morning 
that once again, God is reestablishing, trying to, to reestablish connection between the fact that you don't have to pay like he paid. All you got to do is walk in faith and continue to worship and continue to worship and continue to praise him and continue to say, Lord, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in you, Lord. My soul shall make my boast. My soul shall make her boast in you, Lord. The humble. Folks that are humble. Folks that know what I'm going through. Folks that are committed like I'm committed. will hear about it and be glad. And to those folks I say, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. Come on now. I sought the Lord and he heard me. I sought the Lord and he delivered me. I sought the Lord and he touched me. I sought the Lord and he brought me out. I sought the Lord and he made a way for me. dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He said, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge. He's my refuge. I'm inviting somebody in the auditorium. Some of the, one, the thousands that are watching I'm inviting you to make God your refuge and your fortress. The place that you run to on the pressure and the place you stay in while it's raining. He's not just a place, he's not just like an umbrella where you just run in and get cover. He's not just going to protect you when the rain is coming down, the rain of adversity, the rain of trial, the rain of testing, the rain of stress, the rain, the rain, the rain. No, he's not going to just cover you. You're not going to be using him just as a refuge when those rains are coming. But he's going to be a fortress. Meaning when it's raining down stuff and there's other stuff coming through your life like a hurricane. He will also be a place you can tie your anchor to and it don't matter what runs by you. It will run by, but it will not take you. It will run by, but it will not destroy you. It will run by, but it will not take you out. It will run by, but it will not mess you up. You are a conqueror. You have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm asking this morning for someone, everyone, to consider your undisputed position. And you accept Jesus as your personal, your personal savior. 
There's no question in heaven as to your status. There's no angels talking about whether or not you're the child of God, whether you're eligible or not. The blood of Jesus was applied, and that was enough. And from that moment, you're undisputed. Whatever you go through, she's undisputed. Whatever you face, even when you mess up, he's undisputed. My son said to me the other day, said, you said something, Dad, that touched me profoundly. And it, I got him, he doesn't know this probably until now, but I got in the car and just cried because that's what I want to be able to touch. I don't need to, to, to you know, have you got parents to just crowd you out with stuff? I don't want to be that dad. I just want to be able to open my mouth at God-given moments and just speak something that completely wrecks the devil's plan in my son's lives. And we were talking out in the parking lot and I was so excited inside. I was like this. I said, guys, for the umpteen time, I'm so excited because, because it, I, I got it in my, my mind and my spirit again that when we mess up, when we sin, when we falter in our lives, and we go to God and ask forgiveness, and we repent, he comes by with his white paint, and whatever the canvas of your life is, I don't care how big you think it is or how small it is. He wipes it clean. He takes every black streak out of there. He makes it perfect again. And I said, son, I'm happy for that. I'm happy for that. That makes me excited. But there's something that's got me even more cranked up. There's something... Taz, that's got me even more crunked up. You, you long, young folks know what I'm talking about. Got you crunked up. That's the young, young folks' word. Lit. It's got me lit. That's the new word. We went from crunk to lit. I'm on fire. It's got me ablaze. I'm lit. I said, son, it's the fact that whenever I have messed up as a believer, and I ask forgiveness, when God erases, wipes away the sin and iniquity from my life, he does not wipe away the history of our relationship. That on a relationship level, we could just pick up where we left off. Yes. Human beings don't deal like that. Yes. They, they got to have trust. It's got to rebuild. Yes. 
And sometimes you can work for a hundred years and not rebuild trust with a human being. But that's not God. That's not God. That he will take care of the sin but keep the relationship intact. I am undisputed because God said I am. We're closing right here. What did I say, son, that something I put in words that I couldn't even remember, just a sentence that I said to him. But the essence of it was he keeps the relationship. I don't go back to zero. When I sin and he washes me white as snow, he don't go back to, hey, what's your name? Hey, how you doing? Whose son are you? It doesn't go back to where you live. You know where it goes back to? The last time I knelt down and prayed. It goes back to the last time I said, Lord, I love you. You are my father. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for setting me free. If you're watching me online, God's calling you. If you're in the auditorium, God's calling you. And God's saying to you, please, don't let the work that I've done for you, for your life, be wasted. It doesn't have to be wasted. I'm not asking you to do too much. That's those other religions. I'm not asking you to kill yourself with bombs on your chest. That's somebody else. All I want you to do is crucify what you know needs crucifying anyway. Let me crucify envy in you. Let me crucify racism in you. Let me crucify lies in you. Let me crucify adultery and fornication in you. Let me crucify jealousy. Let me crucify usury. Let me crucify it. Come on. You know you shouldn't be messing with that stuff. You know it's not, it's not a toss-up between, it's, uh, you know, it could be good or it could be bad. No, it's bad. It's all bad. Would you bow your heads with me? Could we go through just a moment or two of consecration? Just a a moment where you just, to yourself, say, God, you know me. I ain't got to give you my name again. You you know me. You know the mess that I am. You, 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 you know, you know, you, you, you know, you know, you know. And today, I repent. I repent, I repent, I repent. I repent of my mess, I repent of my sin. 
I repent of my iniquity. I repent of my wrong. I, I've been wrong as two left shoes, but I'm coming back home. And I want to pick up where we left off. <laughs> I want to pick up where we left off. I want to pick up where we left off, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. <laughs> Have thine own way. Make me and mold me. Father, I pray. Mm -hmm. Woo. 